I'd just like us to take a minute to think of an early memory that you might have connected to reading. So I'll give you my example. So my first example is I used to have this tiny little penguin publisher's hardback copy of the Railway Children that I think my nana bought for me. And I was absolutely determined to read it by myself, but it was like this kind of really precious item. I wouldn't fold the corners back. I didn't want to put any raggy bits of paper in as a bookmark. So I was really struggling with trying to keep myself on track with it. So my mum went to a jumble sale and bought me this little clothes peg bookmark that was in the shape of mittens of all things. And immediately, problem was solved. It was simple but purely brilliant. So let's start to explore more memories of reading and vocabulary in this most recent episode of Vocabulary Detectives. So come on then, Anne, I've shared you my silly memory of my first reading experience. What can you think of that takes you right back to when you were a child reading? Um, Sarah, I've, I've got several memories I could I could pick on, but <laughs> one in particular that, that I remember really, really well was we used to have a, a mini bookcase halfway down the stairs on the landing part of the stairs as the stairs did the dog leg round, round the corner. Um, and I used to often sit on that step um, and look through the books that were on that bookcase. But the collection of books that I really, really sticks out for me is the Encyclopedia Britannia. Do you remember that? <laughs> yes, they were like a, a burgundy colour or yes. blue. If you were fancy, they were blue. No, um, we weren't. Fa we no. weren't fancy. Ours were the burgundy <laughs> colour. Ours yeah. were the burgundy colour. But we had the whole set, um, and I loved loved looking at them and picking at them. And my mum still, she still got in her house that set of those encyclopedias. And they, to me at the time, they seemed huge. You yeah. know, I'd yeah. pull one out and put it on my lap and it'd be massive and it'd have pictures in and all these facts in. And, and I just, just, just loved it. And for me, that made me feel that books were, were precious and exciting and, and something to discover halfway up the stairs. It's something about those old books as well, isn't it? All those older books that they almost smell of your family. Yeah. Don't they? I remember my Nana had a bookcase in her hallway and it smelled every book, every page you open. I've got a few of them upstairs now. They, they kind of, they still smell of a mixture of chip fat and cigarette smoke. <laughs> but yeah, that, that, yeah. that then takes you straight back, that memory recall to, to like you being that child sat in front of that bookshelf. Yeah. Um, so today's episode is going to be slightly different. So the first difference any keen listener will have noticed is that Lisa's not with us today. So we are a detective down, I'm afraid, Anne. Oh. She's uh, she's off trekking in the Highlands somewhere. Apparently she's soaking wet. So, you know, I'm assuming okay. she's having a nice time soaking <laughs> wet and covered in blisters. I hope she dries off before she comes back to us then. <laughs> I hope she comes back full of all sorts of new vocabulary that we can share yeah. on the podcast. Yeah. So Anne and I just thought we would take this opportunity to do a slightly different episode focusing on reading and vocabulary at home and starting off with our experiences both as mums and as obviously busy working mums as to what reading and vocabulary at home, all the good, the bad and the ugly stuff has been for us. So, Anne, you've got children. What, how, how have you explored over the years or gone through the, the reading and vocabulary pains and beauties at home with your family? Um, well, I, I think to say that it, it was a journey is, <laughs> is quite a good description because it was progressive and, and it, was, it was a discovery, really, because, 
you know, there's no no particular manual, is there, on mm. how to to raise a child, and 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 where literacy is concerned, and where reading is concerned, I kind of sort of found my way, really, um, and tried to sort of knit. Um, reading and vocabulary development into the fabric of the day, a bit like cleaning our teeth, you know, just make it part of the kind of routine uh, from a really, really early age. Um, because as we know, I mean, parents are really busy, aren't they? Uh, goodness, you've got half a dozen million things that you've got to, got to do. Um, and to sort of encourage reading can be a bit of a chore and you have to sort of avoid that and make it feel a fun, usual thing to do throughout throughout the day, throughout the week, from a really early age. Yeah, um, I couldn't agree more, especially yeah. with like the the making it kind of interwoven into everything that you do. Because I just think, you know, as parents, we we get so we pressure ourselves so much, don't we, to kind of create create this Instagram, social media favorite parenting style. And you know, we went through a stage where you know Amy was in that many clubs. That the poor kid didn't even have time to eat, you know? <laughs> yeah. um, and the last thing you want to do is make reading yet another thing to have to do. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah. it, like you said, it's so intrinsic to everything that that, that we do have to do. It's, it's everything, every, everywhere around us, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, it, it, exactly. And there's, there's a fine balance between encouraging your children and supporting them in their reading um, to not actually putting them off so it's 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 that fine balance isn't it to, to to make sure that that reading is a is a joyful thing is is a, a line to discovery like with my encyclopedias um but also is 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 within their realms to do both independently and within the family as a group and so that they want to do it they want to do it it's it's you know so we are boys were they natural readers um, is anybody a natural reader when they start off? I don't know no, whether, I don't, I don't know. know. They enjoyed reading. Um, yes. Whether that was because they were natural readers or whether that was because we encouraged reading and it was, it was part of our life. Um, I'm not, I'm not really very sure really. Um, it's, it became it, it it actually started with it being completely acceptable to fail at it mm. so within the household it was fine if you weren't the perfect reader or if there were particular books you didn't like or there were um at particular times you didn't like reading or what have you that was acceptable that was fine um as long as you wanted to read and 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 sort of used your um uh, knowledge uh to do it anywhere i know that sounds stupid but like I remember I remember one particular holiday actually when my youngest and he was just on the cusp of of being introduced to various literature and I think he must have been about I don't know six seven I can't, I can't quite remember but we were in a public swimming pool um and he was floating on on a float and he had his horrible henry um mm-hmm. horrid henry books that series and and he was reading one of them and he's reading it out loud but not just out loud i mean literally shouting it virtually <laughs> um and i remember his brother being really embarrassed um and saying you know oh, does he have to do that in public or whatever and i said no it's fine he's just he's just enjoying reading it uh and he made mistakes and stuff and that was fine but 
to be able to do that in a public arena just because it was acceptable, because it was fine, it was a fine to fail, uh, and, and to be enjoy floating there with a book. Um, yeah. I, th I think that was that was quite a precious moment for me as a parent. Yeah, I bet. There's the little golden nuggets, aren't there? Things that you look back and you think that, you know, that's that's the things that have helped shape who they are now yes. that they're grown-ups. Yeah. You know, I made a very definite parenting decision when Amy was probably in, in my tummy still that I was going to really think about vocabulary actually with Amy and that, and that I was going to do everything I could to make it so that she understood words and could use words really, really well. And I maybe prioritised that more than reading in the early stages you know I would do I would spend hours with her sat on my sat on my knee as a baby looking up at me and I would be talking constantly and so that she could see my mouth and she could hear the words that were being used we always had the pram facing us so again we could be constantly that eye contact that's so important for that early language development um, and surrounding her with language that was going to be appropriate and that she needed as she was going forward while well, I was obviously still having fun and, and still being silly um, and loads of singing and rhymes and, and nursery rhyme type books and Julia Donaldson kind of books that made it so that language sounded alive and language sounded like something that you wanted to take part in um because that's the thing about younger children in particular isn't it is that it needs to be something that feels like it's engaging and it's going to be involving them mm. well funny enough sarah um my eldest son he's he's uh, due to have a baby uh, in, oh. in, in the autumn <laughs> and only the other day he said to me well i sit there at you know, close to close to the baby, to the stomach, um, and he said, and I talk to the baby, and and his his wife said, well, I can feel the baby actually moving more when you're talking, and it occurred to me, I I just thought, gosh, you know, that that verbal language um, they respond to even in the womb. So as soon as the baby's born, yet all, as as you said, all that talking, all yeah. that verbalization is really important. And it's a strand of literacy that I do think we sometimes forget how important it is. You know, when someone, you know, in our day jobs as literacy experts, when people talk to us about developing their child or their students or their own literacy, they focus on reading and writing. Obviously, it's the medium. It's the what it's what we envisage literacy being. But that oral participation and that those initial oral skills, you know, you can't, what's that phrase? You can't be what you can't see. So you can't read what you can't hear. So it's kind of, we need to practice it out loud in order to be able to start to think about how on earth we're going to be able to do it um, when we actually are reading and writing. Um, and it's those sort of things that I think that we sometimes, especially as parents, we just assume that that's not as important as actually getting our child to sit down and physically read something. Hmm. Yes, and, and, and that don't wait. Don't wait until you can get them to hold a physical book. You know, that there's lots and lots of pre-reading, isn't there, work yeah. that can be done. Yeah. Without doubt. So what I thought we would do for the rest of this episode, Anne, because I know you and I could talk about this just kind of off the top of our heads forever. <laughs> um, I get contacted an awful lot by parents and teachers, especially teachers in their early parts of their career, who are thinking about how to encourage reading at home and vocabulary development at home. So what I thought we would do, if, if it's all right with you, is if we could kind of give out as the experts that, that we are and the people that are not just as mums, but as in our professional world, um, our kind of tips on how to make it so that reading and vocabulary development is something that doesn't feel like it's forced or something that doesn't feel like it has to have like a specific timetable slot. 
Good idea. So Good idea. I'll, I'll kick us off. So my first one that I think is really important for parents to understand is that actually that process of, like you said, near the swimming pool, the process of reading out loud is super important. Um, independent, quiet reading in your own head is a skill, but it's a skill that you have to develop as you get older. Very few younger children can actually do that quiet reading inside your own head but actually more importantly when we read aloud to our children and let them read aloud to us we're allowing them to hear and explore the emotions of a text the intonations of a text how um, your lips and your tongue are literally getting around words and also then allows you to then start developing into kind of discussions beyond that so my first tip would be read aloud to your child or let your child read aloud loud to you as often as you possibly can do yeah that's 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 a brilliant brilliant tip sarah because um if if you like me i really enjoyed reading out aloud to my children mainly because i could use silly voices and just be a bit silly um however if if you don't like doing that if you're not uh, you know actor inclined um then audiobooks are good aren't they uh, yeah, i mean you yeah. can you can use audiobooks there's no shame at all in using an audiobook um Sit with your child and listen too. You, you'll probably really enjoy it yourself. Um, and you can always stop and pause and ask questions, can't you, along the way or have a discussion about what's happening within the story. Um, but there you have actors actually paid to, yeah. to read these books in the way that gives that expression and that emotion you were talking about. And they're all out there, aren't they? I mean, I remember listening to an audio book of Rick Mail doing um, George's Marvelous Medicine when I was younger. I remember my gran, she had a tape in the car, a tape, how old am I? A tape <laughs> in the car of Mr. Men audio books. So they're all out there. It's not just, you know, Shakespeare and Harry Potter that's audio, but they're all, you, you can get everything and, and often quite cheap as well. If not yes. free, actually, yeah. often. Yeah. Um, I'll add one to that one then, thinking about, you know, reading out loud or audio books, um, not being afraid of reading kind of great works of literature with your child. Um, you don't need to always wait for your child to be at a certain level to then move on to a certain type of text or a novel. Um, you know, you, you should be reading books that interest both you, both of you, but also novels and books that kind of are older than that your child might actually be so don't feel like you're restricted to a children's work think about the wonderful text that you might have enjoyed as a child or the wonderful text that there might be on the school curriculum coming up and or just great stories you know i adore lord of the flies i remember reading that to amy when she was little and she kind of remember her listening in and we've read it together since as she's older and she gets it now but even when she was little she still enjoyed the fact that there you know there was a character called piggy and there was a conch and they blew a big noise and you know so, so read great works of literature don't feel like you've got to stick to children's books with children yeah I, I, yeah again sarah i i agree um <clears throat> uh, i introduced my boys to many uh, a classic novel actually at, at a fairly early early age um and 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 just engage them with with that um and actually as a result as they got older they, they kind of like to tick them off they're kind of like yeah, <laughs> well, yeah. let's go through the classics i want to be able to say that i've read you know tolkien and i've i've i've, I've, I've read um even bran stoker and and all you know all of those sort of things um but having said that sarah i mean you know if if a child shows an interest in a tv series or um a favorite film has a favorite film 
then there's no reason why you can't introduce the reading around that, around either that subject matter or indeed with films. You know, I mean, sometimes you go and see a film, don't you? And I mean, Charlotte's Web, for example, when it was made into a, a film, I remember um, uh, and, and one of my friend's uh, sons went to see the film and then came back and said, is it a book? Can I read the book? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, you know, yeah. that that connection between another media that the child might be interested in is very valid way into, into reading, isn't it? Yeah. My two examples of that one is with Amy, my daughter, was The Hunger Games. That's the classic example of that for her. Yeah. You know, when she was old enough, all of her friends were watching this film. And I'd try to encourage her to read the books beforehand, but she just wasn't interested. Watched the film and immediately, Mum, did you say that was a book? And then she read the series before she watched the rest of the films and she just yes. swallowed those up whole. My own personal example of that is that wonderful film, Stand By Me. Yes. I adore it. It's my, it's my favourite. I didn't realise for a long, long time that that's actually a Stephen King short story or novella or whatever. Um, so then reading that in retrospect was really interesting. And what's interesting, I think, when you watch a film first, then you read a book, you become very judgmental. You're like, well... You do. You're like, well, you're supposed to have a white T-shirt because you had a white T-shirt in the film and in the book yeah. you might have a red T-shirt. Or vice versa. If you read the book first, then watch the film, you say, well, that's not in the book and that's not in the book. But it doesn't matter. That's just our conversation. Isn't no, it? I mean, we, we do it as adults, don't we? I mean, uh, my uh, my eldest son, who's now sort of, dare I say it, in his early 30s, but when Game of Thrones came out yeah. uh, as the TV series, he started watching it and then he said, right, right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read this. I'm going to read all this. And as a result, it was a bit difficult watching it with him because you're right, he'd go... Well, I'm not sure about that. <laughs> that. That's not quite right. And this character wasn't in the books, and this character had a longer, longer um, survival rate within the books, etc. And you go, can we can we just enjoy the series? Yeah, but yeah. actually, how wonderful that was to make that comparison and have yeah. that richness of of opinion, really. And we're all drawn to a certain genre, aren't we? Whether it's horror, fantasy. Um, romance and I think it's really important if your child is starting to struggle or you're struggling to try and get your child engaged to to start off thinking about the genre and the themes and ideas that that might get them engaged or might spark their interest be it a sport be it a pastime you know skateboarding at the moment with a recent olympic success is huge um so it it's it's thinking about trying to find genre and themes that that will grab them in in initially but my word of caution on that would be to always make sure you throw in different examples of genres or themes or ideas that they can explore so they're not just reading the same type of material all the time but if that's their default mode then that's absolutely fine we just have to chuck in the odd different thing every now and again yeah i mean and let reading be something or a pastime that you do naturally yeah. and actually you can bring in the different genres there can't you let them see you reading a novel but equally let you, them see you reading a, a newspaper or a magazine and when i say let them see you doing that um we often as adults um it, it, even if, if we're we're good readers and we enjoy reading we'll read late at night won't we just before yeah. bed or just before we go to sleep well just remember your child's not seeing that so, you know, make a conscious effort to bring it within the realms of, of, of everyday, everyday life uh, and make sure that it's, um, in, as you said, it, using different genres so that they're actually experiencing that all types of reading is, is important and useful. 
I think that's a really important part there, that all types of reading and, and kind of don't forget as parents how simple questions and simple things can really make something that doesn't look like it's reading into reading. So for instance, if you're cooking and you're reading a, a recipe and, and your child says, oh, mom, just throw in the, the beans or the flour. It's like, no, 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 let's just read the instructions properly first. And it's about creating that safe environment where reading is just something that you will just take time to do. So whether it is reading the instructions in a safe environment of the kitchen or you're building some Ikea furniture, you know, rather than just grabbing the Allen key. No, let, let's just let's just read the instructions together first. You, you read me point four because my hands are full. You know, it's those things to make sure that um, reading's always done at home in a place where you can explore it together, but it's non-threatening. Like you said, you've got to be able to feel like you can make mistakes and you can get it wrong. Absolutely. And and along those lines, you know, ask, ask questions and allow questions to be asked back as well. So, um, so for example, if you're reading the newspaper, it might be quite good to pick on something and say, look what I've just, just, just read, read it out and say, what, what do you think? Do you think that's a, a valid governmental policy? Do you think that, um, you know, do you think the sun will shine today? Because it says in the weather forecast here in my newspaper that it, that, that it will shine today. Um, those sort of questions, but also the more detailed questions, the inference questions, you know, um, when you're, you're reading out loud to, to your child a, a book or a novel, remember, um, or they're reading out loud to you, uh, remember to pause and say, you know, what do you think is going to happen next? Um, what do you think the implications to this character are of what's happening now? How do you think this character is feeling? Have you ever felt like that? You know, all those sorts of, of questions. It not enrich the reading itself as well as helping the literacy knowledge, don't they? Exactly. And it's also, it's that emotional intelligence that's been developed with literature that we sometimes forget about. So being able to, to show with inference questions, empathy and understanding, that child is actually also starting to learn and develop empathy and understanding about themselves, which is kind of a, a wonderful byproduct of, of reading literature. Um, screen time, I know is a yeah, big uh, Yes. And so far we've spoken about physical books recipes etc etc but most of us we've just got to be honest it's the world that we live in we do read on our screens um now i have a kindle i adore my kindle my father-in-law bought me my kindle many years back now um and i think kindles are a wonderful resource so we certainly shouldn't be banning kindles um reading things like recipes etc the newspaper on your phone is some is a way in which we we get our information these days so again that i think you know all of those sort of things are fine i just still would add advocate just choosing a chunk of time in the day be it 15 minutes 10 minutes even where it could be screen reading i.e a kindle but we're just trying to get away from the scroll effect because there is something also isn't there about our well-being and our mental health that it's about being still and steady and in one place and not being completely constantly overwhelmed by images and text coming from different sources at us so if we can, 10 or 15 minutes even where we can just sit at peace with some reading material, I think would be really beneficial. That's a lovely, lovely image, actually, Sarah, that sitting 
at peace. I mean, how important is that for our yeah. mental health? Um, and just taking yourself off to a different world, to a different reality um, that you can then dip into again later is is, is just wonderful. Um, but that obviously is, a, I, I'm alluding there to fiction, mm-hmm. but actually non-fiction, non-fiction reading is, is important too. I mean, I go back to my Encyclopedia Britannia's <laughs> I loved, I absolutely loved. And for me, that was dipping into history, dipping into geography, dipping into the sciences of chemistry and biology and 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 just gathering interesting information. Uh, I remember particularly reading about Vesuvius, uh, the explosion, and just thinking, oh my goodness, that's 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 a story in itself, but it's actually fic- it's not fiction, it's fact. But it is a story. Um, uh, And so actually non-fiction is as important, isn't it? And and just as acceptable. The only thing that I think is worth noting, actually, is something that's not often pointed out, that when an author writes a novel, they do an awful lot of research. And a lot of that research is based on non-fiction. It's the facts because they're trying to create a fabric of a world that is based on things that you recognize and mm-hmm. based on, on, on facts and so on. Even, even science, science fiction, you know, they try to base it on, on knowledge we have already of, of physics and chemistry, et cetera. Um, and so even an author of of non of, of fiction sorry um, does rely on some non-fiction research so actually non-fiction comes under that that research that's that even um, yeah. writers use. I used to say to students at school you know that the, the one of the, the beauties for me for English literature is that you're learning about history from someone's personal point of view so you're absolutely entrenched in the historical period you know when you're reading Mayor Angelou and um, you know To Kill a Mockingbird or when you're reading Dickens and you're in those workhouses with yes. Oliver and, and whomever the, the yeah. detail in which these authors go in you, you are learning from history from the inside out especially if, if you're reading people who actually were reading were writing at the time about the time in which they were currently living so like an inspector calls is an incredibly popular play text i know on school's curriculum well you know that that was written about someone who'd lived through those two wars that he's trying to de- um, depict to us so you get it from the inside out um the poet wilfred owen you know he was a journalist in the trenches so his poetry is really a fabulous exploration of that true historical event so yeah i never really actually thought about that but in fiction lies non-fiction in exactly. fiction lies the facts yeah <laughs> yes really yeah. interesting um yeah. and don't forget also like autobiographies and biographies if your son or daughter loves a particular sports person or is mad keen on a topic like science why not read professor brian cox's autobiography um have a look, what look at their lives from their point of view and your children love they love learning facts about people that, that they've seen on the tv or yeah, they're watching yeah. a sports event yeah so so yes rather than scrolling your favorite fa- uh, favorite celebrity read their autobiography yeah even if that's on a kindle we'll allow that yeah we'll allow that. Good. we'll allow that <laughs> <laughs> so we've talked an awful lot about helping and supporting parents with developing and encouraging reading at home now one area that i think is less obvious and less spoken of is actually developing vocabulary at home um 
with especially older children as your child's getting older and they've gone past the you know the, the early stages of forming language and letter sounds what's some of your advice that you can be giving parents about developing vocabulary at home Anne? um w well i mean firstly with vocabulary um there's a wealth of, of, of words, we know that, obviously. Um, using things like synonyms, which are words that, that, that um, have a, a different or alternative, but mean the same thing. So if, for example, your child came up and said, Mum, I'm really hungry, if you then reply with, uh, well, how can you be famished? Famished being obviously the alternative to, to hungry. Um, you only ate 10 minutes, 10 minutes ago. So what you're doing is, is, um, using synonyms to, to actually, uh, develop that vocabulary and explore that vocabulary in a in a rich rich way um so you have to be ready for it so you, you have to you have to think of the vocabulary yourself and be be ready for it um but by doing that it's an, in a non-threatening way as well you're not yeah. sort of saying to your child well can't you think of a better word than hungry yeah. you're actually just replying and and exposing them to a different type different word that they might want to use Use a different type of, uh, of vocabulary um, and you know you can explore opposite meanings as well in a similar way so uh, if your child said oh it's a really sunny day today um, you can say well uh, you know I, I, th I think it might be cloudy later on um, so is it is it a, is it a glorious day today no it's a miserable day today you know that, that yeah, sort of thing yeah. you can start to explore vocabulary in that way in in a conversational manner without it being threatening or judgmental really without and, it being judgmental and it's that i think that judgmental we've said that loads haven't we that's the biggest thing because i think we're all pressured as parents or, or many of us feel like we're pressured to keep our child up with everybody else you know this this you know i've spoken about before this kind of you know what stage are they at they must be at this level by the time they're in year two year six year nine and it's just we develop at different rates so we need to allow our children to not feel pressured by it but also everything you've spoken about there it's that oral rehearsal that your teachers will be telling your children to be doing in class you know again you practice first through your speech and our our language is developed through our ears first and foremost isn't it? it's picking up the sounds and then it's relating those sounds to objects and and, and things that actually have physical being so the oral rehearsal is is so so important and i think one thing that we do sometimes forget about is actually when you're playing games when you're playing games you're doing nothing but probably if anything like my family shouting and screaming and ranting oh, yes. at each other oh, yes. but it's constant conversation but also it can be conversation around a word game you know who doesn't remember from a child playing boggle or scrabble or upward or whatever it is that you've got in your cupboard um that you might not have got out for a while dust it off because it's all that's all vocabulary improvement all of it yeah, abs absolutely. I mean, we could we could name quite a lot of of games. And funnily enough, only the other day, a friend of mine was describing a game that she played um, a while ago, and I said, "Gosh, that sounds really good." I don't think I've played that. And then she actually came around and bought it for oh. me. And it was I don't know whether you've heard of it, 
uh, banana grams. Oh, I used to play. That? Yes, I played that. Yeah. All oh, yeah. right. Well, I yeah. haven't actually come across that, so you can still discover new word games. And yeah. so we'll definitely be playing that this weekend. Um, yeah. And again, you're talking a charity shop job. You're not talking about a lot of money. You know, you, charity shops are always rammed with games. Fifty pence a pound. You can go and pick up, and then you know, and once you finish with it, just take it back to the charity shop. It's it's good. Yeah. It's good upcycling. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely, Sarah. Absolutely. Uh, what I mean, what's really important here, which games can bring out actually is is, is talking isn't it? it we've we've said it before but having those conversations not being afraid to have those conversations not i mean <laughs> you know you might call them arguments but let's call them constructive conversations that you might have um <laughs> you know just j- j- just spend time doing that and and games actually is a good way forward with that isn't it is yeah. is be able to to do that again in a non-threatening environment um albeit that obviously uh, you know it might be competitive environment <laughs> um but that that talk is is really important as you said it all begins with the years anyway yeah. so let's listen and talk to each other really and important. as we're talking we're also starting to pick up words that our children might be using almost too frequently you know children are great aren't they for hanging themselves on certain phrases and certain catchphrases or just certain words um mm. i'm terrible for and my dad hates it for saying the for saying the word ace a lot oh that's ace and you know <laughs> i'm 42 and he's, he says he's for goodness sake Sarah, you've got better words in your head than that and he says it to me in a quite threatening manner because i'm 42 and i should know better <laughs> but um but you know when, when you're if your child is starting to get into certain vocabulary habits then maybe it's about using like use of the techniques you said beforehand to challenge those words so that you're broadening the vocabulary all the time yeah yeah and 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 check that they you know they understand the the vocabulary you know um just check that the words they're using and the words that you're using to them they understand what they mean so put them in context you know constantly just to remind them about that because i think we're all guilty of this of coming across a new word thinking oh how fabulous is this new word and and then using it for the next three weeks until you discover oh it didn't quite mean what i thought it meant (laughs) oh yeah yeah yeah. i've got lots of tales myself my dad used to have a corner shop and my mum was notorious for saying quite inappropriate things to the older customers because she didn't she'd picked up a word somewhere and she didn't really understand it's kind of it's nuance or where it actually came from um and that's a really important one there isn't it about it's really important to have conversations with your children and really active and progressive and obvious and purposeful conversations about purpose and audience mm-hmm. because it that again it's such a learned skill that as an adult you, you sometimes take for granted that you know how and what you can be saying to granny which might be different to how or what you would be saying to your mates on the playground at school or how and what you address your head teacher might be different to how and what you speak about at home to your mum or dad um Mm. and that concept of purpose and audience as you're getting older i think is a really really important one and that's where having a good vocabulary bank in your head really works because then you can pick and choose you can think i'm in this context in this context i need to be more proper for want of a better phrase i best use these words or oh i'm chilling out my mates who cares i'll just use these words yeah. um, but you need that choice in your head to get that purpose and audience correct yeah, and, and the vocabulary for for, for children and, and students is really important with their peers, isn't it? It, yeah. it builds those bonds and those feeling of belonging, and that's really, really important. And so actually, we, we can 
join in a bit with that. We can we can be aware of of the language that that our children are using with their their peers, and they bring into the mix new words all the time, don't they? I mean, keeping up is is, is difficult to be honest, yeah. but you know they 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 use all sorts of new words, and so just like we'd encourage them to to understand the vocabulary that we are using to them it's good for us to try to understand the vocabulary that they're using and ask what certain words mean and where they've come from. And, you know, it might be the trend this week, but don't mention it next week because next week yeah. is not the trend. <laughs> there, I was watching the Olympics the other day and again, it was the skateboarding and the presenter kept saying the word rad. Oh, it was rad. It's rad. Like, why is she trying to sound like an American teenager? Then I thought, hang on a minute, because chances are there are a million teenagers watching this episode at the moment. And that's a word from yes. that kind of that that genre isn't it so I thought no actually yeah. good on you. you yeah you sound a bit silly <laughs> but, yeah, but yeah. why not embrace the language of the context that you're in as long as it's appropriate and it's not upsetting anybody um but I think the biggest message through all of this and correct me if you think I'm wrong is about this idea of challenge but not without threat make sure that we're challenging and we're probing and we're developing but we're never threatening or judging our children Absolutely, Sarah. Absolutely. Create a safe environment for everybody in the family, including yourself, to explore reading and vocabulary. That's what we want, isn't it? Fabulous. And we've got a whole host of resources that we can support any parent listening to this at the moment or teacher um, at lexonic.co.uk or get in touch via inquiries at lexonic.co.uk. And um, we will be more than happy to give you all these top tips and more, um, including a non-screen time vocabulary games kit, which um, which I know is very, very popular. And it's been an absolute delight. Um, I have missed Lisa, but not that much, really. Oh, so yeah, I've, I've, I've missed her. <laughs> not necessarily the competition at the end of the podcast (laughs) (laughs) well thank you very much for joining me today and thank everybody at home for listening and join us next time for another installment of vocabulary detectives